And now, here's your host, Alessandra Torresani. Brian Feminella, you just showed up. You are so cute. <laughs> you are just <laughs> a, you. like a ball of energy and life. My Alexa just went off because it wanted to say hello. I mean, that is how excited I am right now. <laughs> Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> but I have honestly heard your name so much. I've heard tons about you, but I don't know. I, I've heard tons about you from friends and like personal experiences and like the great times they've had. And you know, many of the guests that have been on Emotional Support, you know, Britt Bronson, Derek Jameson, Matthew Lewis, like we have the whole like gang here and I'm so excited the gang to, together. <laughs> yes. And I'm so excited to have you on the show right now. And I just have so many questions for you. First of all, thank you for coming on here. Secondly, thank you for being such a mental health advocate. You post so many beautiful things and you are a strong, you strongly work with NAMI, which I'm an ambassador for. And I just give everything to. But my first question for you, Brian, is what is the deal? You were in the army? Because I went back on your Instagram and I saw yeah. pictures of you in a <laughs> uniform and I was like, excuse me? What? Who is Brian? <laughs> well, thanks for having me, first of all. Second of all, I can show you right here. Uh, yes, this is, these These are my people. Oh my God, I amazing. Have- I have been in the army since I was 17 in back in wow. 2017. I'm a gear baby. So it goes along. Wow. Um, and I have grown a lot and learned a lot from the people that I have served alongside. I am still in the army. I'm actually commissioning as a second Lieutenant in two weeks. So oh I'll gosh. become an army officer. Oh, this is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I have lots of family that that is in the army, that were in the Navy, that served. I know someone who was in SEAL Team Six. No big deal. That's my that's my big like claim to fame in that's life. That's your flex. <laughs> that's my flex. Like I know someone who was in SEAL Team Six. I have so much respect first and foremost for you, and I want to thank you so thank much. You. I think that I learned something, and I want to be able to say like this is right. They almost said, you know, you don't even say anymore, like, thank you for your service. There's some other kind of respect, right, that we should be paying for those who serve in the military and everything. What, what is the, what is the line? Is Or am I saying this wrong? Oh, I, I think for, for all my brothers and sisters in uniform, I think just having support is all, it, no matter how you choose to express that, uh, means a lot to all of us. Oh, so, I love that. You know, you know, that is incredible. I think I've been with these last group of people for the last four years and uh we actually said our goodbyes this morning oh, uh, our gosh. unit is officially uh we are heading out and we will all go on to different places because i was finishing up um my program where i was enlisted and then i went through rotc at usc uh-huh. um so our, our our rotc battalion uh finished up this morning and now we have people going to atlanta for cybersecurity training we have people going to Korea. We have people deploying in a few months to Middle East. So we we have come together and worked together to become army officers for the last four years. And now we'll go on our ways and uh, go lead different groups throughout the United States and abroad. And it's been the honor of my life to to grow as a 
young cadet and soon to be lieutenant um, alongside some of the best people I've ever met. So will you stay in, you know, I, I don't know if you're even allowed to say like where you are, where your training is, but will you stay where you are right now for, for training for lieutenant? So I will actually, I'm going to become a military intelligence lieutenant. So okay. I will be headed down to Fort Huachuca, Arizona for four and a half months of training. Uh, and then I will take uh, my unit in Coronado, California, down oh, in San Diego area. Yeah. So should be really exciting um, oh to gosh. get down there. But yeah, it, it's been a, it's been a journey and it's definitely been the best part of who I am. So as much as all the other things I do, the military is number one in my heart. But now I have to ask, was this something that was part of your family that you grew up around and being, you know, around people who have who have served for our country? Or was this something that was a decision that was made on your own? What's the kind of the story behind that? Yeah, so it was all me. I don't have family in the service. And I I just, I was in the, you know, a lot of different organizations in high school, saw a lot of different ways to give back. And, you know, I never thought the military was something possible for me. And Why, though? When it became, um, I think that I didn't fit the, bodybuilder strong the box super right the box and i checked boxes that were outside of the box yes and uh i think that a lot of predisposed notions and preconceived notions of who you are and how that changes who you will be as a soldier is false because i never expected to be where i am today and i'm extremely grateful for the you know signing that paper five years ago and standing here with you today wow Wow. And what has been like when you first went into the, the the army, were you overwhelmed? Like what was kind of the feeling behind it? Were you scared? I mean, I can't even imagine. I'm sure there's excitement, right? Because this is something that you chose to do. It's not like we're living in the days of drafting where you're, you know, petrified mm-hmm. and you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. This is not what I want to do. Obviously, there is something in your heart and soul of wanting to protect and serve. Um, but was there still some sort of like jitters and nerves of like first day of camp? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I think so. There's white buses, right? And uh-huh. these white buses, you get on the buses and there used to be a thing called shark attack where we experienced it, where we had our all of our luggage in two green duffel bags. Anyone that's listening to this in the military is going to get like PTS. And no. <laughs> you're sitting on the bus. You're sitting on the bus with your two duffel bags, and the bus is kind of slowed down in front of these big buildings. And everyone's just like, you can't see first of all because you're squished two or three to a seat with your luggage, so you really can only see the green in front of your eyes. And all of a sudden, you hear the bus, the sides of the bus, and they are just banging and hitting the windows and this guy with this circular hat gets on the 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 bus and they're drill sergeants but i didn't know what the heck they were called right right. (laughs) and he goes you have six there was probably about 45 of us on that bus and he goes you have 60 effing seconds you can you can swear yeah yeah yeah. 60 fucking seconds (laughs) 60 seconds to get off this bus or you are fucked and I just remember I was 17 years old. I would look at the person next to me and he swallowed hard too. And we're like, go. And we're like pushing and falling. And then when we get up the bus, we have to hold, our, hold the luggage over our head and they're screaming, run, run. 
and this was in Fort Jackson, South Carolina, and I was Echo Company 334, um, and it was just insane. It was wow. a, it was three months or however long, don't quote me, right. we were there that, you know, really changed my life because wow. I learned a lot more about people. Mm. And to this day, you know, going through the ROTC program, you know, receiving, going to USC, you know, it was a, it was an honor to be, you know, get the opportunity to be in the ROTC program and also now about a commission as a second lieutenant in the army. So I'm extremely profoundly grateful and people in the military humble you in ways that, you know, they come from backgrounds where they're like, oh yes, you know, this tragic thing happened to you. And then when you thought that, you know, you were at your worst moments, it just wasn't true because- There's always people that have a, 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 a have it off worse. So be grateful oh, yeah. for what you have and continue to prevail that way. And when you went to USC, what were you majoring in there? What what was the cybersecurity and public policy? Mm, interesting. Wow. I mean, I just think that it's so fascinating and, and I you know, it's going back to how I met the 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 guy who was in the um SEAL team six, I went to I was in this movie and I, um, it was like a movie about cars and we got asked to be there for NASCAR and like open and like do the flag to like, be like, yay, like opening flag day at NASCAR races. I don't know. It was something like, I am not, I'd never seen a NASCAR race, but I was like, this is so cool. This is so fun. And so I started talking to this guy and he was like, oh my God, I actually like, you know, we were making funny videos and, and he was then telling me his wife was a big fan of mine from from the show that I did, The Big Bang Theory. And I was like, oh my God, what do you do? He's like, oh, you know, I just wrote a book and like start. I had no idea who this person was, right? I had no idea it was a celebrity. But I saw that everyone kept taking pictures with him and everyone wanted his autograph and everyone was asking stories. And so then one of the directors, like the director and the producer from the film said to me, they're like, don't you know who that is? I was like, no. And they're like, that's Robert O'Neill. I was like, cool. Who's Robert O'Neill? Like, I had no idea, like any of the story behind it. Right. And and so they started telling me. And so it was so fascinating because then I, I said to him, I was like, oh my God, Rob, I was like, this is, thank you. I like, thank you for everything that you've done and made us so safe here where we don't have to worry about you know, um, the things that are currently, let's say, for instance, are going on in Ukraine, right? I mean, we're taking advantage of the fact that I can go to a grocery store right now and I can drive myself there and people are complaining about gas prices. But at the end of the day, like I can drive myself to the grocery store and get food safely and bring it back home to my family. End of story. But he put into perspective, and I think that this is what I, I love that what you do is the the importance of of you know, we we look to people who are serving the country and we're like, oh my God, it's like they're not even real people, right? You don't you don't associate this. And he shared this story, and I'm not gonna share the story because it's his to share. So I'm not gonna go into it. But it was very personal and celebrating a Christmas before Christmas because he knew he wasn't gonna be here for Christmas and maybe never can come back for another Christmas ever again. And I think that this is something that we as humans forget, right? That there is a human, you know, there's a personality, there's emotions, there's feelings, there's struggles, there's mental health. There, These are, they're, they're, it's, it's fucking real is what I'm trying to say. And I think that we forget that as 
I don't know what what, are, what would be called like civilians, like base like basic bitches <laughs> over here. Like as basic bitches, we don't understand that, and we as need to be bitches. yeah. <laughs> and we need to be constantly reminded of this because if it's not for the brave souls such as yourself who are there to support us, we would be at a loss. And I, I think that I, I'm loving so much that you came on this podcast to share like some intimate moments to really make it um, just have that, you know, feeling the feels like that it is a real feeling, you know, when you've been serving and, you know, when you go away and you do all these things, you know, where do you find the support? You know, you have, you know, your brothers and sisters around you, you know, and obviously that's probably the number one support. But have there ever been moments where you still feel completely alone, even though you're going through the same process and journey together? I, I think it's about how you approach each situation you're handled. Uh, mm. My lieutenant colonel always tells us, our com our commander always tells us, you know, life is not about the situations you get yourself into. It's how you respond. And I think that for us, um, no, I mean it's hard like even my closest friends on the civilian side it's like speaking a different language when we talk about certain things so right. i'll be on the phone with somebody in the military and they'll hang up and they'll be like what the fuck did you just say yeah and i was like don't worry about it like it's fine but that bond is inseparable and i mean by that is like i've gone to training excuse me with people that are i've known for two months three months and i'm closer with them than people i've known for six years and that's right. not because the people for six years aren't important. They aren't valued. It's just that you share a similar bond and a story, putting that uniform on where it doesn't matter who you are, what you identify as, where you come from, your story. When that uniform gets on, you're one team. Right. And that to me has been irreplaceable mm. because you don't, you don't, I mean, yes, there are moments when you feel alone, when you have to make decisions sure. or when, when you're, you know, out there on the battlefield. And I, you know, fortunately have not been on, the, you know, the battlefield yet. And, uh, but, you know, even when you're training during right. any kind of field training exercises or whatnot, you know, I believe that it's about how you can hold each other up because we understand right. you have that shared understanding of, no, it's not, you won't understand. No, we do all do understand because we're all doing it with you. So, right. In a sense, no, I have felt very secured. It might be five in the morning and it might be terrible, but I've always felt very secured being around every single person, whether it be in an ROTC program, whether it be when I was enlisted, regardless of what it may be, you feel safe. And yeah. that sense of security is irreplaceable. And if any of my any of my future soldiers or any of my colleagues and comrades now give me a phone call, whether it's two in the morning or one in the afternoon, you answer that phone. You answer that and phone. That's a, and that's a bond that you can't buy. Oh, I just, it just makes me, just makes my heart melt because I, I, I will never understand, but I can, but I can try to understand and I can relate in other aspects of my life of, of that bond. I mean, this is not the same at all, but I understand in the sense where like when you do a movie with someone, you create a bond with them and sometimes there's a deeper connection or I'll even say like specifically, like when I find other people who live with bipolar disorder, like I do, 
and you can talk about scenarios and situations of mania, you know, it's very hard to put things into words, right? It's, it, it's a very difficult thing, but you know the experience and the sensation that you felt together. And that that's such mm-hmm. a special bond where you can't explain it to other people. So I, I, I do understand, I do understand that, that feeling. I mean, to, to an extent, you know, one of the things that- Yeah, you, you got to hang out with the Big Bang Theory, all you, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, there you go, there you go. I got that going. I got that going for me. <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting because I've had so many people, I think that the number one request that I've had um, for the podcast since I've started it was for me to interview, whether it be someone who was currently serving um, for our country or um, a vet, to talk about- mental health and to talk about PTSD or not even just specifically PTSD, but what are the things that you, you experience when you're in there? We've talked, you have not been to battle yet or to, is that what the proper way to say that? I, I don't want to like mess that up, but you have, not, I have not been deployed and you have not been deployed yet. Thank you. See, this is why I need you. I'm learning. Thank you. Um, you have not <laughs> been deployed yet and you have not been in those situations, but you do understand and you've seen these and you've been trained by people that have, is mental health, like what what is something that we can do to fix and to help out current serving people, veterans? What 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 does mental health with the military and the, you know, serving our country specifically mean? And what can I do? I think for the military, I have had a lot of great colleagues that one of my closest friends in basic training, he had the opportunity to go to combat in 2018, and he lost a majority of his memory to post-traumatic stress. And wow. it was hard because uh, he didn't remember me too much. And building back that memory, memory and that you know recollection was hard. I was young, and I'm still young, but I was younger. And right. it was really hard to understand. And then... You know, I started to work on mental health regardless of, you know, how it played a role in my life. And I started to see soldiers who were struggling a lot and were afraid to come forward for this fear of judgment. And I noticed in doing a lot of research uh, in the military community that it's this sense of you're not manly or you're not strong if you have vulnerabilities and you have instances of uh, anxiety or, or, or depression or ADHD or ADD. And I challenge those soldiers or anyone in the world that has that perspective because I actually think it makes you closer and it shows that you are a real person because it doesn't matter how many weight, weights you can rack at the gym because I know people that can bench 400 pounds and emotionally, if, it, if, they, if there was a bench for weightlifting emotionally, they couldn't lift a single pound. And I think there's so much on the mental discipline that the army teaches you. And I think that a lot of the times our shortcomings are in the fact that you have to be afraid. You have to be okay with being the one to stand out to show others that it's okay to talk about these things. If everyone's afraid and nobody has that avenue, you don't have to go to therapy. You can do other options. And I think soldiers are afraid of therapy they're afraid of psychiatrists because if they provide, if they prescribe us medication or they do certain things, you know, you can lose your whole career. Right. And I think that that fear is valid. Oh, that's so and interesting. I, that, I never thought of that. So that's a whole thing. Wow. Because, you know, you, you, you can't have certain mental health, you know, 
issues in the military. And, you know, some, sometimes mental health catches up with you and, you know, maybe it, it, it's not the best time for you to serve. But those that, you know, just need a little help, just need a little helping hand, they're afraid to even reach out because they're right. afraid of the judgment. They're afraid of any retaliation. They're afraid of losing their whole entire life. And I think that the one thing we can do from a mental health perspective is as leaders, as platoon leaders and your lieutenants, as company commanders, as captains, typically as battalion commanders, all the way to generals, I think you have to show that you as a leader can be vulnerable and show your shortcomings. Uh, I have to tell you, there was one instance where one of my battalion commanders gave us his resume and it was a resume of failures. And that was so powerful because it showed us, hey, I am a lieutenant colonel in the United States Army, been deployed to combat and been all over the world. Yet look at my shortcomings. Look at where I failed for my family. Look at where I failed for my kids. Look at where I didn't get the jobs I wanted. And that kind of vulnerability is what we need, especially as soldiers. You don't, and I think people misconstrued like mental health as like, you have to just sit there and cry and scream like you don't. Sometimes it's just about showing empathy because being an empathetic leader is the key to how you, how you are perceived and is the key to how you, how you act. Because sometimes like myself, I have a very abrasive front. Sometimes when I make decisions in the civilian or the military world, you know, I'm a dick (laughs) and I don't think, and I'm kind of an ass and, the truth is behind all that abrasiveness and, 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 you know, forceful nature that I have, I am a person that cares with the unbelief and I care about people. And I think that I really believe that soldiers just need to have that avenue, whether it's going on a bike ride, whether it's talking to a peer, whether it's knowing that someone else is struggling so you don't feel alone. Right. That's all it takes. And I think that breaking that stigma that, you know, it's therapy or the highway. That's yeah. not true. Yeah. It's it is a and therapy comes in many forms. It doesn't have to be a sit down one on one and with a no. therapist. It's how you perceive. It's how you perceive therapy, and it's how you want to help yourself. Oh my gosh! I mean, that's so beautiful. I feel like if we could just take that clip and share that with the world, I think that that would help <laughs> so much. Do you ever fear, like you know, when you go into this? There's so many stories about you know, PTSD and, and those who have served, you know, and seen things, right, that you can't unsee. Do you ever have that fear of, will this happen to me? Will I feel, you know, will I lose my memory? Will I have these issues later on? Will I not know how to adjust to the real, you know, world when I come back? Like, have you ever had those thoughts? Absolutely. I think the first perspective is, I like I told you, you know, being a cadet, right, at USC, when you're about to graduate, which, you know, we all are about to be commissioned as officers, they give you a life insurance paperwork. And it, when you fill it out, it says like, okay, percentages out of 100. And I remember turning around, the dotted line said percentages out of 100. And I was like, oh, like, what does that mean? Yeah. And uh, they're like, oh, that means like where the money goes if you die, who gets it? And I was like, oh, and it's broken down by percentage. And, you know, that's one of the first wake up calls you get, especially as a young cadet or a young, you know, when I was a private and when I was a, you know, regardless, like I had to do it when I was a private too. It's, it's eye opening. And I think that though, to be honest with you, this career 
we all know that it could end up leading to the ultimate sacrifice. And we love what I love. I can't speak for everybody, but I love what I do. And I think that, am I afraid of losing my memory? Am I afraid of getting super hurt? Am I afraid of so many things? 100%. But I'm so much more ambitious and grateful that there are people from all different walks of life who are soldiers and we can call each other and help each other, even when things get really rough. And regardless of what may happen, I'll know that everything happens for a reason. And I'm every moment I get to stand there and continue to be with a group of people like I am, it's worth more than a million dollars. Oh, I, I'm a firm believer in that. And I, I truly believe everything happens for a reason. We're all here for a purpose. We're all here for a story. And you never know how one story can really truly change someone else's life it can change the projection of their life, like of what they do and, you know, who you inspire. You, you, you don't know, you know, or your mistake may help someone else not have that mistake. You know, you, you just, you, you don't know. How did you get involved with, um, with NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness? Was this something that you had been working with, you know, wh- them before you enrolled as a cadet or was this something that you learned through um, your program? So NAMI was actually something that I learned about when I started to get into the LGBTQ advocate space and how, you know, you could talk about your own mental health and the struggles that you faced, you know, being perceived as, you know, not the right words people use to describe people as. And right. I think that NAMI's recent campaign um was the most power one of the most powerful things that i have ever been a part of and you know being able to scream on camera people are like well what does that mean and and i and i always like tell people that it's called the free your me campaign and the free your me campaign allowed every uh, celebrities mental health advocates influencers anybody to to get on the camera and scream and let out all of the anxiety, the pain. And it sounds weird, but yelling works. And it it let out a lot of the different instances. And that's where I got to work really close to it, NAMI. And then through everything I've worked at with SoundMind, which is a mental health tech company that uh, I'm one of the co-founders of. Yes. Um, I, got, I got to work right directly with NAMI and we consider them long-term partners and it's, it's been, it's been exciting. And trust me, there's definitely times where as a startup co-founder and CEO, like there are moments where I sit there and I go, wow, I made a wrong choice. And I, you know, we run a mental health company and sometimes I forget that. And sometimes I forget that like everyone needs to be treated with the utmost respect and sometimes you know you forget that and you lose sight of that and getting grounded again and being re-put in my re-put in my chair and put in my place I think it's important sometimes and and I think that you know sometimes people will see from the outside it's like oh you know people that you know do certain things for mental health especially like you know running a tech company for mental health that's performative and you know sometimes it feels like it sometimes it feels like oh like maybe people just don't see it like and it, it's hard. It's definitely hard to know that like all I all I've wanted to do in service and in, in, in using my technical skills, and whatever, is to help people. 
and I and I think that sometimes my inner demons have come out and shown that you know some I'm young I don't know everything I never will ever and I think that making those mistakes is is human nature but the way that we grow from that is the biggest thing and I've been learning a lot over the past few weeks and months because I think that now as you start to grow as humans in the military with my next career coming ahead and also with Salmaya with my company I have learned a lot about wow the mistakes I've made hurt people or they made people not want to believe in my mission anymore and that's not something that people share all the time they always yeah. say oh we raised this much money and we're so amazing and you sit down and bow at my feet. And sometimes people think that. People think right. that just because you're getting recognition or you, you, that you want it all, you you want this, you want that. Sometimes it, it, you question if it's worth it because you want to help people and sometimes people on the external side try to put you into a narrative yeah. that will make a lot of money, but it won't help a lot of people. And that juxtaposition and that divergence in thought leads to the the dispersal of what really could have been a movement, whether it be mental health or whether it be advocacy, because that's what I've been passionate about. And I've had a lot of failures, a lot, but I've also been extremely proud. But those are the best. I mean, honestly, if you don't have the failures, you can't celebrate the successes. And I, I'm a firm believer in that. Like, like, I, I I get so angry with people that are like, oh, it's not good to feel sad. It's not good to feel, you know, these emotions. And it's like, it is because it makes you appreciate the happy days, it makes you appreciate the best days. You have to have that full spectrum of everything. Not everything is just black and white. It's not one way, it's not the other. It's like, you have to feel everything. You have to experience everything. And I will say, that when you fail, right, at your own company, right, or your own podcast or your own whatever it may be, it makes you want to fight that much stronger and that much better and harder to get where you want because you truly believe in that passion. Or if you fail at it and you go, oh, I don't really care that much if that I failed, like, let's move on, then it wasn't meant to be. It wasn't the project for you. It wasn't the space that you were supposed to be in. You know, so I think that that is so important for you to talk about the failures and talk about, you know, how hard it is. And sometimes you just want to be like, fuck this. I don't want to do this anymore. You know, because people don't talk about that with startups. What, now, what is Sound Mind? If you could share that with everyone. Yeah, sure. So Sound Mind is a B2B software as a service platform for corporate companies to monitor corporate wellness. So they'll get a pretty much think of it like as a website. And they'll be able to monitor all the different charts, graphs, usage, times they use, feelings, emotions, and what the, what's going on with their employees while the employees and the front end user is using our music therapy audio and visual application wow. that allows people to engage and interact both with audio soundscapes, both with our new artist platform coming out featuring 20 new music artists wow. with our with our visual therapy to help people visually, with our brain games, whatever it may be, we provide that front end experience for users and employees. We're on the back end, the HR companies, the employers can monitor corporate wellness and see what's going on with their employees. But the most beautiful part is there's no invasiveness of PII. So PII is personal identifiable information. So the companies cannot see who it is and, and, and who they are 
They can only see breakdowns of usage and, and, and growth and or, or non-growth of how their employees are doing mentally to have that check, to have that wellness. And this entire platform is going to relaunch our version two. We have our beta right now out on the app store, but our version two is going to launch a lot of exciting things in store there. But my co-founder, Travis, and I have been working around the clock to make sure that the things we do and the decisions we make are are the right way forward to utilize technology to help with mental health. And, you know, the shortcomings, the failures, the, the, the wins and the losses that you embrace, especially myself, like have taught me a lot, especially um, how certain things can lead to great paths and others can lead down a, a negative rabbit hole. How did you figure out, you know, for maybe it was a personal experience or maybe it was for your, your co-founder, you know, that, the importance of sound, how it really can help you zen out, if you will. <laughs> yeah. So like I explained before, when my really close friend in the military lost his memory to post-traumatic stress, right. I started to do research at USC uh, underneath the Thornton School of Music, as well as USC Dana and Dornsife College uh, in the neuroscience department, how different mechanisms can help mitigate symptoms of post-traumatic stress. And we went through symptoms of, you know, therapy and, and also, you know, um, other weird things that they think would work. And I was like, well, what about sound? And mm -hmm. I, I remember one of the professors was like, aha, fuck no. And they, and, and I was like, um, okay, let's just try. So yeah. we start, we started to play around with different sounds, um, uh, some as far back as, you know, them used in Zimbabwe when music therapy was first coined as a term. And oh, I didn't it, know that. That's so cool. Yeah. And it started to actually, and it was used to actually help those who were battling in these tribes and, and back then calm down. Yeah. And, and de-stress because they didn't know what therapy was. So it was just called like music healing and they would bang drums, but it's a way to bring people together. So that's how it first started, which is ironic. Wow. Um, but military, see, it's, the correlations there. Yeah. Um, but for us, we did, I conducted research for two years, then brought on our now chief of community, Lucy Schaefer, who works directly with me on all of our brain games for the application that are coming out soon. Cool. And how each, each part of the brain is impacted by those through sound and visual game experience. And I think that we found that sound was effective in terms of helping the mind relax whether that be releasing certain hormones more or releasing it's all about how sound can take a role and replace certain auditory triggers with positive associations and turning those negative into positive associations so almost like a form of meditation if you will i mean it kind of puts your mind a form of meditation data. yeah but unique yeah right 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 but that's what i'm saying that's what sound does to to the brain and it and it completely yeah. calms. Wow, I think that's wonderful. What are kind of like the brain games that you're gonna have? I mean, I, I know you can't like yeah. probably say a lot of them, but I mean like what you know, what is tease us. So give us a little tease. Sure. So one is gonna have where you're gonna be able to select your different 3D character and you'll be able to play through like shopping through a food store and you'll have to pick different items and that's people are like, oh why? It's for memory cognition. It's to help you remember the grocery list. So there's a lot of fun things in the store. Oh my God, I want to play that game right now. <laughs> and, 
Well, we'll be releasing three in July. And then we'll also be releasing our artist platform, which is going to feature some of your favorites from American Idol, some of your favorites from the lo-fi and mental health space, and really bring together a community of artists to not only provide different musical soundscapes that are unique to our platform, but also they're going to be able to have a four to five minute voice recording, which we call our artist essential, which is going to allow them to share their story, whether it be why they created music or why they have a mental health journey. And that's going to really propel our users to understand that it's okay. And that's a really good, you know, collaborative effort building that community out. And then we have a couple more features coming out too, especially changing the uh, application. Should I hint at the word dark mode, but maybe uh, a lot, a lot lot is coming out soon. So I think it'll be a, a fruitful few months. And I, I'm definitely really, really proud of our team and our success. And I'm proud of all I've learned and I'm proud of them and I'm, I'm yeah. humbled by people that sometimes tell you, you know, hey, you made the wrong call or hey, you made a mistake. And I like that because it's it's hard. It's hard to swallow. And sometimes it can consume totally. you alive. And sometimes I think as a leader, you have to know that if you made a wrong call and you made a wrong decision, you need to sit down. You need to figure out a solution in your mind and you need to move forward. And it's dwelling dwelling on it only goes so far because the mistakes are already made. You have got to move forward and you have got to learn. Even if people who you made the mistake from, or even if you yourself can think, well, how do I ever like move past this? Like, no, you can move past this. It's just, you have to be okay with it yourself. And regardless of others ever say, oh, you'll never learn or you'll never, right. only you know the true answer to that question. Well, and that's obviously something that you learned, you know, through all your training because- it it's it, that's such an important thing that I think we forget about. And I think that that's wonderful that you're sharing that right now. And I really do appreciate that. I have one other question, you know, getting back to, you know, all the wonderful work that you do with the LGBTQIA community and yeah. with NAMI, you know, is there anything where you can like share with others how, I guess not the enmeshment, but but what you can do with the support of the military with the LGBTQIA community. Like, has that been something that's been really tough to, to kind of, I would say not, you know, bond together, but, but something there, like, is that still a struggle? Is there still stigma there? So I think that uh, it's, it's funny because that's a question I get all the time. Yeah because I'm very open about it. And I think a lot of people are not, and that's okay. I just choose a different perspective. And I think yeah. that you'd be surprised how much support you get. And I that. Uh, the unit that I have now, I mean, I, I think a lot of people are expecting you to be like, yeah, the military hates like us. And I don't that's believe that. False. And yeah. I, like, it's very false. And it's a narrative that people try to paint. And it's sad that people try to paint it that way because I, I've had the honor to serve with a few people right now who I directly work with who are nothing but incredible towards me and they do not care about my sexuality or mm. anything like that. And this, yes, I do want to, I do want to preface that there absolutely are instances still of sure homophobia and not kind gestures towards people who are in the LGBTQIA plus community in the military. But my best advice to people that are having a tough time or or just what I've learned is try to educate. I think if you teach people or you share with people a little bit more or 
explain your perspective instead of just being like, oh, they made yeah. a bad comment about me. I'm going to ignore them for my whole life. Yeah. Like, just try. And if it doesn't work, you know, some people are just not good people. But, you know, the and ones that are willing that the to truth? learn. And isn't that the truth? That's not just in the absolutely. military. That's just in the world. I'm everywhere. <laughs> but, you know, people that are willing to learn, people that are willing to, you know, Evolve. be open-minded. Yeah. That's, that's all it takes. And sometimes you might be that bridge between, like, understanding change and staying in people and other people staying in their ways and believing in their whole life. So I've had a, I've had a really incredible time with it. I've had really tough times before the military back home. Right. That, that was tough. And right. but the military has been my support system since day one and nothing but amazing things to say about the leaders that I've had the privilege of, you know, working underneath. Right. Well, I feel like I'm going to ask you my final question, even though I feel like at this point, I must know what the answer is. Um, but Brian, what is your emotional support? My emotional support is two different things. And the first piece is, you know it, it's the people that I wake up with every day, yeah. look at in that uniform and know that they have kid on the way or they sometimes they're struggling with their bills and sometimes they're not happy and sometimes they're scared and sometimes they're pissed and they're fearful yeah. or they need, they're embarrassed at something. And all of those emotions and all of those people showed me and have shown me what it's like to be a human being and to not be a pompous douche uh, that I absolutely can be. Uh, and I think that, again, I'm going to, I'm going to rebring this out these are the people that are my emotional support because oh. they're the pe they're the people that I have stood by and I have and they've stood by me and there you wake up in the morning and there is no judgment and there is no there's there's jokes there's sure. funny there's like hey motherfucker I remember you in the stripper bar at five o'clock in the morning on Saturday and you're like well that but wasn't a joke that actually happened yes okay okay I'm here to admit it, it happened <laughs> <laughs> but but it's nothing but the best community of my lifetime right. and uh I don't know where the white world is going to take me in the next few years I'm probably going to be bouncing around and uh as my time in downtown Los Angeles comes to a close uh, I have to tell you that it has been the honor of my life to be a cadet and to now eventually be a second lieutenant. And when I enlisted back in 2017 and, and went through boot camp and went through the training of an enlisted soldier, I also learned a lot there too. And that's my support. I think when all else fails, when all else is down, when all else is alone, they're there. And, you know, they have to be there because <laughs> yes. the government makes them be there. But but that sense of stability and that sense of structure, I would be right. lost without. And it's just, I would do anything for those people. And that makes me, and people always ask you, what makes you tick? Them. Right. And I think that uh, the second part of that. That's love. Yeah. I think the second part of that is my, I'm an only child. So Same. It, yeah. My mom, my dad, and my grandma. I oh. think that those those three are my rock, and I think that without their support, mm -hmm. as much as I don't want it sometimes because it's annoying. Uh, a lot it, of pressure, it, right? It, <laughs> it is. They are my little family, and they are the people that blood is everything. And sometimes people do not agree with that, and I get that. Sometimes it doesn't work out. But for me and my situation, my family blood 
is everything to me. And, you know, in a few weeks from now, my grandma, who's older, you know, will get to watch me commission as an officer. And I don't know how many more times and experiences and moments she'll be able to get to see. uh, But I am, there is not a moment in my life I'm going to be more proud of than having her sit there and watch that happen. So my emotional support is the people that I stand next to every single day and the people that brought me onto this earth. Well, you're going to make me cry, but I have to say (laughs) as someone who's older than you and and lived a life, (laughs) at least my voice (laughs) sounds like I've lived a life. You know, I, my, my grandparents were my best friends. Um, and I was so close to them, my grandma and grandpa. And I I have to say the, you know, when we, when my grandma had passed away, you know, I still had my grandpa and he became even closer to me and even more of my best friend. Right. And, you know, he actually, uh, I, I'll tell you some fun stories at another time he may, at a bar at another time, but he actually um, taught the spies. Um, so he has quite some stories and he, he was qu- quite, He's got the, the life. quite the intelligent gentleman. Um, he, he's, he was wonderful, but he was my best friend. And there were so many moments that I was so proud that he was able to, you know, see. And so like what you're talking about, like with your grandma, but it's even just the little things of just being able to pick up the phone and call both of them and like, or even just him, you know, in in the later years, um, you don't realize the importance of that support until that's gone. And I love that you said that, you know, not everyone can understand blood being family and, and that's blood and it's so important, you know, I I have I don't have a relationship with my father and his side of the family, but the ones that I do have the relationship with, that blood is so deep, you know, and that bond is so in, intense and so supportive. Um, and now I have that with my husband, you know, it's 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 such a strong, deep um, love. It's unexplainable, you know, and you can't even put into words. Absolutely. But I just, I, I, I love how much you love your grandmother and of course your parents. But as you speak on being older and those moments of you not knowing how many times she'll be able to see that, you know, just know whether it's here on this earth or not on this earth, like, you know, that family will always be there in your heart and we'll be able to see that. And I'm just, I'm so lucky to have met you and I can't wait to give you a big hug in person. And I just, oh, thank you I, so much. I just, I, I, anything that I can do to support, you know, the service men and women that are out there and anything that we can do, is there any, you know, final thoughts for those listening right now or any organizations or any companies that you truly believe that, that, you know, Let's share it. Please tell us this is the platform. Like, what can we do to help um, support our service men and women out there? Uh, you have to be sure. Service men and women can smell bullshit from 7,000 miles away. Yeah. And if you are a company that wants to show the person in uniform in front of your logo, you will fail because they will smell it. Yeah. And I think that if we want to help everyone who is struggling in the military in uniform and when they're out of uniform, you have to provide uh, alternatives that are not a sit down. 
sometimes they don't want to talk about it. Sometimes they don't want to sit with a therapist. That's it's okay. annoying for them. So, sometimes you just got to give them a gateway. Yeah. Give soldiers the opportunities to do bonding experiments with each experiences with each other. Give like these people the opportunity to let go, do fun things, to relax, to see the views of nice places. Like it's just be there. Let soldiers know that you're there. And being there is enough. Sometimes no one wants to hear your ramble. (laughs) I know I don't shut up. So I know. You're like me. And and I think that's the most important thing. And I guess my last words would really be that I haven't even experienced the full experience of the United States military's force. And I will, I will be starting that in a few weeks. And it's the true non-corny when I say this, high honor and privilege of my entire life on this earth that I get to stand there with people that I would die for. Mm. So I think that providing support systems and networks is all you can do, but it's way more than trying to grasp at straws for situations that soldiers don't need. They need just to know that people are there, people are listening and that there is always a way to break the stigma you might just have you might yeah you just have to be the first person to do it oh i love that so much i just adore you and you are just oh. fabulous and fantastic and brave and strong and just beautiful inside and out so brian thank you so much for coming on emotional support oh thank you so much for having me and truly means the world and i i really hope that one person listening today got to know that they're not alone